Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Very nice to see you again. Nice to see you over Zoom. Yes, yes. Everything well, seems to be It's over all Zoom. over Zoom these days. It's all over Zoom. You don't even I'm have just... to say it anymore. <laughs> I know. You know what's funny is like I keep getting these appointments for calls. Like people mm -hmm. be like, oh, let's do a call on mm -hmm. Monday. And like for a while I thought it was an actual phone call. Like I would yeah. be waiting by my phone and I'd get an email like, hey, we're waiting in the Zoom for you. And I'd be like, damn, call me in Zoom. Well, Helen, I have reached an interesting milestone. I am a one week away from finishing my one month off of social media. I've gone on a social <gasps> media hiatus. Have you? Yes, I try to do this uh, once a year. Uh, in no fact, Twitter? Because I know you're a very active Twitter head. No Twitter, no Facebook, no Instagram, no TikTok, which for me is very difficult seeing as I've never downloaded or used the app before. <laughs> uh, none of it. And so the first week was sort of, uh, the first week was a little tricky just because it, it was very apparent how wired my brain is to instantly uh, grab the phone and just start scrolling. Oh yeah, you were endlessly. real addicted. Yeah, and then I would have these thoughts of things I wanted to, you know, little pithy, weird things I wanted to say, and then right. I, had no one, I had no one to say them to. And then I was doing fine for for uh, the next couple of weeks, and then today uh, I had a terrible customer service experience. <gasps> I was literally on hold, waiting to talk to a person for two hours. No, two hours, no. Of, and, and still nobody picked up. It was for, of course, it was for talking to someone at my health insurance company. Well, naturally. And, yeah. yeah, naturally, uh, because I don't have cable TV. Otherwise, it would probably be that. Uh, <laughs> and, no, and nobody picked up, and I was so frustrated, and I even took a screenshot showing that I had been you know, on the call for two hours and nothing. And then I had nothing to do with it. There's nothing... <laughs> Like I well, you could save it yeah. up and tweet an angry, uh, an angry tweet like when you're back on Twitter. Yeah. Hey, guys, here's something that happened to me a week ago. Uh, <laughs> it's so frustrating because that's actually one of the few actual beneficial uses I get from Twitter is sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll tweet at a company and you'll get satisfaction that you wouldn't get from, you know, from calling. Has that ever actually worked for you? It has actually, yes. Uh, corporate shaming uh, still, still exists to some degree. Although really? I, don't know, I don't know if health insurance companies can be shamed. But yeah, it actually has. You know, I travel a lot or again, in the before times, I would travel a lot. And, I, and I've gotten a bunch of, of things resolved uh, You're from, kidding. from I have at, tweeted at American so, Airlines or whatever it is. Yeah, I have tweeted so many hateful, angry things and nothing has, I, I've never gotten any satisfaction. Yeah. I try to be a little polite as well at first and, uh, you know, try to try to keep the anger to a, Oh, maybe know, that's to, my problem that might, that is I just go it. full. I'm yeah. just like cannons out. Yeah. Initial, like just just out the gate. Yes, that, that, that possibly could be it. Hey, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? He is a Tony-nominated actor who's appeared in over 100 movies and TV shows, 10 shows on Broadway, and originated the role of Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors. It's Lee Wilkoff. Hello, Lee Wilkoff. Hello, Jay Keith. And, and welcome back. You are our, you are our returning champion, a returning expert anyway. Not a champion, but an expert. 
<laughs> Soon to be. Well, we certainly appreciated when you came on the show and uh, was an expert for uh, Arden Mirren on a recent episode about Little Shop of Horrors, and we're certainly happy to have you back here. Yeah, we got this. We sang Suddenly Seymour. That was Alice. pretty special. Yeah, that was uh, sweet. Well, some of the things I didn't get to ask you about on that show, I wanted to ask about Little Shop. Um, some of your early TV appearances, you've done dozens and dozens of TV shows, but some of your early appearances were with Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, it was on the Jerry Lewis Telethon, I think a couple times. I was on The Tonight Show. Really? They came to me and uh, they said, uh, we're doing Sunley Seymour and here's how it's going to work. You're going to come out and Ellen is going to go, Ellen Green is going to go sit on the couch with Johnny and you're going to go backstage. And I went, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing it then. And they went, okay, uh, do it. So like a schmendrick, I did it. And then it went really nicely and Johnny calls me over to the couch and he calls me Lee Wilcock. <laughs> And, um, and then he doesn't say anything to me because it's all scripted, which is fine. I didn't expect he would, and I'm glad he didn't. And then when it was over, everybody said, he never spoke to you, and Ellen wouldn't let you talk. And I said, well, I wasn't supposed to talk, but I did get to sit on the couch. Nice. Very, and very that was, cool. that was special. Some of your other TV appearances, you recurred on Ally McBeal, on Heart to Heart, on mm -hmm. New Heart. And, of mm -hmm. course, as the quintessential New York television actor, of course, you have been on Law & Order. Uh, in fact, my research says that uh, you were on three different series and playing six different roles. Uh, yeah, I never, I never uh, repeated a role. <laughs> I did uh, SVU most recently. The Mothership. I was actually on The Mothership, the main mm -hmm. one. I was on the first season and their last season. <gasps> wow. As different characters. That was kind of cool. Different characters. I was always some Jewish guy. <laughs> and... Um, I think I did it like six or seven times. Wow. I started my acting career in New York, and it was always a goal of mine to at least be a dead body on Law and & Order. <laughs> and, I've ne and I have yet to be on any of the Law & Orders as a dead body or anything else. And so I'm super in awe. And, uh, and ha ha anyone from Law & Order, if you're listening... Give this kid a chance to at least be a dead body. It's still on. <laughs> I think it's the 24th season. Lee, you're joining us from Ohio, and I know you have uh, you went there because of the pandemic, but uh, you also were there to help your daughter's business. Tell us about this interesting business that she's been starting up. My daughter uh, has a, uh, well, she opened her first one. It's called Doe Mama, and it's a bakery cafe, and uh, it's it's. Uh, I think it's fifth or sixth year, the, the the main one, Doe Mama, we call it senior. And we came out to help her open a second one, and that all went to hell with the <laughs> pandemic. And then she, she actually found a space, and in the middle of the pandemic, she's opened a second one about two months wow. ago. Wow. Doe Mama Junior, uh, we call it. <laughs> and it's doing pretty good. It's only takeout and delivery, mm -hmm. but it's... She's doing great. And what kind of help she, are you providing the business? I do. Like, she calls me, Dad, I need you to go out to Restaurant Depot, and I need uh, <laughs> uh, the two dozen eggs because we ran out of eggs. But 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 we, my wife is very handy, and she actually helped her do the build-out. And I just now just do little errands. Wait, you're the Doe Mama Doggy Daycare? Yes, the Doggy <laughs> Daddy of Doe Mama. Now, that is a credit to add to your resume. But uh, I just sent... Uh, I'm friends with Brad Garrett. I don't mean to drop names. And I send him one of her pies because uh, he uh, he just loves pastry. So I, I sent one in the mail today. I hope it's still fresh <laughs> when he gets it. Well, if you have any extra pies, we're happy to we're happy to receive them as well. And I think our I think your competitor tonight might want one as well. Bourbon pecan with chocolate ganache. <gasps> 
Wow. So that's Whoa. really a nice pie. Sign me up. It's, her, it's like her main pie. <gasps> wow. Okay, what, re you ready for this segue? Well, you are sweet as pie for joining us. It's Lee Wilcoff. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen, against whom will Lee be competing? She is an artist, musician, and actor who's been in several shows on Broadway, including originating the role of Diana in Next to Normal, for which she won the Tony Award. It's Alice Ripley. Hello, Alice Ripley. Hello, yes, seven shows. Seven shows. I see. But Hi, Jay Keith. Hi, Helen. Hi. Nice, to nice to have me here. Hi, indeed, Alice. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and one of the reasons that you were here is because you know and were recommended by Lee. Tell us how you and Lee know each other. Well, I feel honored because I, I think I'm a little bit nervous now that I know he's a, an expert and a returning one. Well, Lee and I were in the Little Shop of Horrors together, <gasps> believe it or not. Really? Yes. This was not the original 1980s production. You're, you both are far too young to have been in that. <laughs> It's its own show, actually, the story of, of our little shop. I had the best time, one of my favorite memories. And you played Audrey. Oh, you, yeah. You played the, the female lead. She was lovely. I did. She was lovely, Audrey. I was Mushnik. I got too into hers, so I got in trouble. Dialect was too good or something, or too not good enough. And then we did the thing last year, Alice, the uh, Into the Woods. Oh, that's right. And then we did Into the Woods. I actually, crazily enough, I did two Into the Woods concerts within, like, four weeks of each other they just these offers came in just completely independent of the other. so i said yes and yes and, and lee was was he was in one of them with so nice to remember a time when there were so many opportunities to perform that you couldn't remember all of them <laughs> yes uh well on broadway of course in addition to next to normal which we'll talk about you've been in the who's tommy sunset boulevard king david the rocky horror show sideshow for which you won a tony nomination and lay miz i'm particularly eager to talk to you about next to normal because people often ask helen and me hey if you guys were guests on your on your podcast what would your topics be and one of my topics would be the original Broadway production of Next to Normal, and you would be a delightful expert for uh, for us to have. Wow. Why didn't I choose that subject? I should have chosen uh, <laughs> it. Well, you can't like choose that. it for yourself, because yeah, that's your, you that's your own line it. of oh, work. Okay. Yeah. But, um, okay. but you also are one of the reasons that this show exists, uh, because, well, this is always fun to say. You and I first met, of course, in Argentina. <laughs> yes. In uh, that's right. Well, tell, tell them why you were in Argentina, and then I'll tell them why I was in Argentina, and then we'll get to uh, how this gets us here today. I, I think that was the time I was in Buenos Aires to um, sing at the embassy, the American embassy. With wow. the Casa Normalis mm -hmm. cast. That's right. That, and Casa Normalis is the, is the Argentinian adaptation of Next to Normal. And it's a beautiful group of people. Mm -hmm. And we were on our, I was on my way home. And, we, you know, I had some time before this flight took off. And, and then. That's right. I had gone to Buenos Aires to see you in this concert production of Next to Normal. Because wow. I am a super fan of Next to Normal. I saw it many times on Broadway. I wow. saw it when it was in LA on its first stop on the national tour that you were in. I saw it on its last stop in Toronto uh, of the national tour. And I will see pretty much any regional production of Next to Normal that, uh, that uh, happens. You were kind enough to chat with me after we ran into each other at the airport. And what was so interesting is because I was feeling sort of sheepish because it felt weird that I, I felt so affected and so moved by the show and, and loved it so much. And it also, it felt weird, but I also couldn't resist this urge to, to, to go experience it. And I talked with you about it and you were the one who said, I think it's wonderful that you love this show so much. That made me feel so wonderful. And it also really made me think about how can we celebrate what people love and not have people feel weird about it. And that's one of the 
uh, origins of the Alice, show that you were I gotta on now. say, that is that is the most deft way of dealing with a crazy stalker that I've ever heard of my life. <laughs> Helen, it turns out, look, who he's a great stand. I mean, I, I we had met before, and you don't forget a name like Jay Keith Ben Stratton. And, and I'm a big <laughs> speller, so I know how to spell your name. And so I, I didn't didn't recognize you, but when you later, I knew who you were when I saw your name. I of course I knew your name because. There's only one person who has a name like yours. <laughs> Whether you're on stage or in the audience, I'm going to remember you. We can't do what we do without the audience. Yeah. It's not because we're needy or because we did something wrong. No, it's part and parcel to what we do. So when I meet the audience, I'm just, you know, I try to hide how I excited I am. I love that. I love that. And no one ever does that either. So <laughs> you're the only one who did that to me. <laughs> that I can't I love that. I love that's I feel the same way when I do stand up comedy because I'm a you know long time stand up comic and afterwards you know at, at a club um this seems like ancient history now in the time of the pandemic but at a comedy club afterwards you get a chance to sort of shake hands and meet the people as they're leaving and you know they'll say like I have I was having the worst week and you just brightened my week and I was so upset because of this and I really needed a laugh and thank you and it's like oh my god like it's really touching and I love that too you must really miss that right yeah, now yeah I, I do imagine how what you're all going through the stand-ups I didn't even think about that yeah. I'm too worried thinking about myself of course. <laughs> I mean crying my eyes out <laughs> Spoken like two true actors. Uh, <laughs> and then you get out the makeup and spackle it on to cover up your pain. Yeah. Uh, well, all this to say, it's, an, it's a special personal treat for me to have you here. So we really do appreciate your being here. Uh, the last time I saw you, you were uh, just about to start a run of a one-person show called Pink Unicorn. And I understand that uh, you're moving that to another medium now. Tell us about that. Yes. Pink Unicorn is a one-woman monologue play that lasts for an hour and a half of me talking without... Stopping with that, leaving the stage, nothing pauses, and I play different characters, and I do all wow. these voices, and I thought I was going to leave my mind learning it. Last year, I did it three times in small spaces, and they've decided, they called, and they decided to make a movie. <gasps> so, of course, I'm excited, because it's all about me. Yay! <laughs> Well, it's also a wonderful piece. I was able, uh, I got to interview about it and read the script and, and it's an important message also about acceptance and about LGBTQ rights. And it's a wonderful piece and uh, I, I, something I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you in. It's a, you know, it's a conversation about genderqueer, right. the language, the, the events, the way that you do it awkwardly and wrong, and then the way that you do it maybe right. Mm -hmm. And the whole story is just, it's just a story about how I want to fight for my kid, but I, I, I do it wrong first. And, you know, I come from a real rigid background and I'm afraid and some of it's awkward. It took me a while to like these characters. Mm. I'm going to be honest. It really did. I, I tried to quit, but it did, I didn't succeed. So, well, so I'm still doing it. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you have not quit this show so far. We're so happy to have and honored to have Ms. Alice Ripley. Thank you for being here, Alice. All right, Lee and Alice, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Lee, you said you know a lot about the Battle of Gettysburg, the movie Barry Lyndon, and Jewish food. Whereas Alice, a little bit of a contrast, you said you know a lot about making tea, English words from Latin and Greek elements, and getting out stains. Later on, <laughs> we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, silver and gold. Up first, Lee with silver. Lee, they both might make an award for second place, but what is the difference between silver and sterling silver? 
silver, and sterling silver. Uh, silver is uh, is uh, found in the ground, and sterling silver has uh, an something added to it. Something added that, to that, it. That, that, yes, yeah, some some additive, perhaps perhaps gold. Oh. That would be a shocking surprise. Uh, all right, we've got Lee's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. And judging by his grimace, I don't think he knows if he is correct either. <laughs> but, first, <laughs> but first, let's go to Alice and uh, see if you can steal if you think he's got it wrong. What do you think, Alice Ripley? That's his resting question face. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to, to completely guess and say, I think that the sterling silver is more pure and it, it's more, um, I guess maybe more refined. More refined. More pure. Okay, more pure and more refined, mm -hmm. uh, as I have been described many times as well. All right, well, this segment could use a silver lining. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Silver is a metal. It's found in nature and, in fact, is an element on the periodic table. It has a dull gray color and it does not tarnish. Pure silver is very soft and actually pretty useless on its own, except for trading on the precious metals commodity market. Sterling silver is an alloy. It's made by humans by combining pure silver with other metals. Sterling silver is hard and shiny, but it does tarnish. It's a very useful material and is made into stuff like tea sets, jewelry, and cutlery. Uh, that's right. Now, to be called sterling, it must be at least 92.5% pure silver. Uh, by the way, the currency of Britain, the pound, is often called the pound sterling because the coins used to be made of sterling silver, just like American nickels contain nickel and pennies contain small amounts of people named Penelope. Helen, how did they do in that round? I think Lee got both points correctly. That's right. Very yeah. good. Lee, two points for you. Congratulations. And now up next, <laughs> Lee raising his arms triumphantly a la Rocky. <laughs> uh, all right. Up next in silver and gold is Alice. Alice, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Danuta Krajewski of Munich, Germany. Whoa. Hello. Wow. <laughs> Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen. And thank you, Danuta. All right, Al. Can I say something to Danuta from a German class? Haben Sie eine Deutsche Zeitung? That means, do you have a German book? Okay. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she's answering into her earbuds right now. Very impressive. They both are ways to disappoint your partner with jewelry. But what is the difference between gold-plated and gold-filled? Gold-plated and gold-filled. Oh, good question. Thank you. Well, I have credit. It really was Danuta. So filled gold could be... The more the more raw gold that you would, I have no idea. I really don't know the difference. I'm guessing. Okay. The, but the plating is on the okay. outside, so maybe that has to be um, the difference. Is that that's the most like that has to be the 24 karat gold, and then the gold fill is on the inside of whatever. It on is. the inside. So maybe that's the raw. I don't know. I'm still going on. I'm still chewing on that last question because that was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the word alloy. Yeah, it is fun. <laughs> it's a good it one. is a good one. I really don't want to. Is that a good, a good baloney? It, it definitely answers the question. Whether it's correct or not, we'll find out. Uh, thank you, Alice. All right, Lee, if you don't think Alice got it exactly right, you can steal. What do you think? I think uh, perhaps gold-plated is uh, by, a, by a process maybe called electrolysis, whatever is being plated is uh, there's a thin layer of uh, gold applied to whatever mm -hmm. the substance is and gold filled uh, is uh, something that just has gold added to it rather than covered with it. 
Okay. Well, this segment is losing its luster. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both gold plating and gold filling add a layer of gold to something that is not gold. But the difference is gold plated objects usually get their gold from a chemical bath. And the Federal Trade Commission says that that layer of gold must be one half of one micron thick. For comparison, a human hair is about 70 microns thick. And this is one half of one micron, so not not a ton of gold. Gold-filled objects get their layer of gold using a mechanical method, and the layer of gold is thicker than what you get with plating. It can even be 100 times thicker. That's still less than the width of human hair, but it's much more durable than the gold-plated object. Uh, that's right. Now, if the gold layer is thinner than one half of one micron, it's called gold-washed or gold-flashed, which I personally think looks even better than solid gold. At least that's what I'm telling my girlfriend. <laughs> Helen, how did our guests do? Hmm. Hard to say because there were a lot of words said. There were. You did say electrolysis, which is actually... Electrolysis, I believe, is a removal of Correct. air. So uh, I'll leave it to you. You know what? I'm going <laughs> to... How about this? I'll give you half a point, Lee. Does that seem okay. fair? Yeah, because you kind Thank of you were don't. like in the zone, but not quite there. In the zone, but not quite there. The Lee Wheelcoff story. All right, <laughs> half a point there for Lee. <laughs> Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Lee Wilkoff has two and a half points and Alice Ripley has zero points. All right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. We interrupt the podcast you're listening to to tell you about another podcast. That's right. We got this with Mark and Hal. That's correct, Mark. This is Hal. We do the hard work for you, settling all of the meaningless arguments you have with your friends. So tune in every week on the Maximum Fun Network for We Got This with Mark and Hal. And all your questions will be asked and answered. You're welcome. All right. That's enough of that. We got this. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Lee Wilkoff with two and a half points and Alice Ripley with zero points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Alice, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about making tea, English words from Latin and Greek elements, and getting out stains. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us why you chose making tea as a topic. Well, I, I didn't realize until relatively recently that there are different ways to make tea depending on the kind of tea that you have and that it really affects the result. It's something that's really interesting to me because I do like, I drink a lot of tea. And uh, where did you learn this information? I had a book called How to Make Tea written by a woman from the UK because, you know, they all look down on us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You also said you know a lot about English words from Latin and Greek elements. Yeah, that was the one class in college that I got a perfect score on every class. <laughs> That's impressive. It's really my love for words. What's a particularly juicy word? Oh, a juicy word? Juicy. <laughs> juicy that is, is a, a good really word. Good word. That is a good uh, word. <laughs> that class teaches you how to look at a word that you've never seen before and you can see and figure out what it means. Yeah, I took ah. a couple years of Latin and I have to say it helps me a lot trying to speak French or some other language as I'm traveling. It, it, it really is cool yeah. how, you, how, wow. how there's such commonality in the languages like that. Mm-hmm. I think that the Latin and Greek, that's what brings all the Romance languages yeah. to learning. Excellent. All right. And then finally, tell us why you chose getting out stains. Well, 
I mean, laundry is a passion to me and, and clean laundry. I, I'm obsessed with, I, I almost, I almost chose how to fold a fitted sheet, but yes. that seemed too specific. I could get myself in a corner. No pun intended. Ah, oh, nice. I like what you did there. I, I really get turned on about when, how I learn how to get a stain out or somebody teaches me a trick, mm-hmm. you know, in the theater, we have wardrobe departments and they're all so good at what they do. You learn over the years, things like how to get stains out. Wow. Mm. I have to say, that's one of the things I love about this show. I never would have thought that I would be talking to Tony Winner, <laughs> Alice Ripley about getting stains out. And that that was no, a- and I, I, again, I learned a lot when I was studying for this yeah. show, I'm about to fail. Oh. Um, I learned a lot. I didn't know the subject and it, it's a worthy subject. I think it's, it's the, th- it's the reason I don't know. It's why we we love that look because it doesn't have any stains on it. Out, out, damn spot, if you will. <laughs> yes, and that too. Another subject. And that too. Yes. yes, another subject. All right, so to summarize, Alice, you told us you know a lot about making tea, English words from Latin and Greek elements, and getting out stains. Today, we're going to quiz you about making tea. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm excited. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, do you have a favorite kind of tea or a favorite way of making it? If I could only have one tea, it would probably be green tea. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is just, it is like a shot of medicine. Mm. Very powerful. Do you go to specific tea shops to buy your tea in town? Because New York's got some cool tea shops. Honestly, I'm, I, I poo-poo tea shops oh, because um, I don't like flavored teas. I don't want it to be too fancy. I just want green tea. So thanks for asking what you did. I want my tea <laughs> from China and Japan. Okay. Mm. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about making tea, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Lee, do listen closely because you can steal if Alice gets any of them wrong. Lee, by the way, how much do you know about making tea? Not that much. Not not particularly much. I was in India last year, and I, I drank their tea because... Supposedly, they have decent tea, I believe. But maybe you did not uh, pay attention to how they were making it, necessarily. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. I love iced tea. I like iced beverages. <laughs> I don't drink hot beverages. That's all Okay, I'm well, that, that temperature bias may come back to oh, haunt you in this quiz. Goodness. We'll see. We'll see if Alice gives you a chance. All right, here's question number one. Alice, people in Asia and Europe have been making tea for centuries, but you can credit 20th century America with a significant contribution to the process because it was two Milwaukee residents who received a patent in 1903 for what they described in their application as, quote, a novel tea holding pocket required for the single cup of tea. What do we know this invention as? Well, it has to be a tea bag. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very good. Uh, Thanks for giving me that one. Yes, yes. (laughs) Fun fact, that invention is often wrongly attributed to a New York tea merchant, but it was those Milwaukee inventors who got the patent. All right, here's question number two. Some people like milk in their tea, some people like lemon, but why should you never put milk and lemon in the same cup of tea? Because you will cry. (laughs) The citrus in the lemon curdles the milk and it it turns into little, little white dots all over your tea. You have to throw it out. Nobody wants to drink it. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. It's weird. We wrote that exact phrasing we wrote and no one will want to drink it and dots. Uh, (laughs) And crying. No, very good. Uh, Fun fact, if you don't like bitter tea, but you don't have any milk or sugar, you can actually add a tiny, almost imperceptible pinch of salt. It doesn't actually do anything to the tea, but salt blocks your bitter taste receptors so it will taste better to you. Science! Yes, you cannot escape science. It's our friend. All right, you're two for two, Alice. 
pause. Here's question number three. What you get out of tea depends on what you put into it, mainly the water. Which of the following types of water makes more tea-flavored tea? Is it distilled water, low mineral content water, hard water, or Evian bottled water? Wow. Uh, well, my guess is tap water, so I'll say hard water. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Lee with a chance to steal. Could you give me the choices, please, again? The choices are distilled water, low mineral content water, hard water, which we know is not correct now, or Evian bottled water. Low mineral content water. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for a successful steal from Lee Wilkoff. A little bit of explanation here. A distilled doesn't extract enough flavor. High mineral content, like Evian, extracts too much and is influenced by the mineral taste of the water. Low mineral content extracts it just right. By the way, Alice, you were a little uh, on the flip side of it because experts say that New York City tap water actually has the perfect mineral composition water for tea, but that is low mineral, not hard water in New York. So uh, I don't think we can give you the point there. Helen, can we give her half a point let's give her half a point let's give her half a point okay you can't say new york is the best city there is you could say that as well and Take that, if, paris exactly exactly well, I, I will definitely say new york city has the best tap water of any water anywhere well tea experts would agree with you yeah all right alice here's question number four another big factor in how your tea turns out is how hot your water is and the proper temperature can depend on the kind of tea that you're making According to certified tea specialist Maji Pisin, what temperature should your water be to extract all the tastiness from black tea? And we'll accept any answer within 10 degrees. Oh, you're asking for a number. We are asking for a number oh, within 10 really degrees. That's cruel of you. I really don't know. I have no idea what the temperature is. It's a tiered difference, though, for all of them. It is a tiered difference. Um, if it helps, you can answer in either Fahrenheit or Celsius. Uh, you also have a hint available. Would you like to use your first hint? I think I like to use a hint. What I do is I take a visual, like when the steam, when you hear it, right. that's one level. When the steam comes up, that's another level. When the whistle right. goes off, and yeah. you can also let it sit and, and take the edge off the boil. But yes. I will definitely take my hint, please. Helen, how about that first hint for Alice Ripley? Unlike some other teas, black tea should be made with water that has come off of a full boil. Right. Um, so the full boil is... I have no idea. I, I would not even know how to guess what the temperature of the full boil is. Just take, uh, that's a, okay take a stab at it. 170 degrees? Helen, 170 degrees. That is not correct. No, I'm terribly <laughs> sorry. Lee Wilcoff with a chance to steal. I'm going to say 200 degrees because uh, the, t uh, the boiling water is 212. Helen? I'm sorry, that is not correct. No, Lee, you had the right idea. Uh, water does boil at 212, so the correct answer is 212. 200, though, is more than 10 off of that answer. So I'm sorry, no points for either of you. We would have accepted anything between 202 oh, and 222 oh. Fahrenheit or 90 to 110 degrees Celsius. Uh, water boils at 212 Fahrenheit or 100 Celsius and then goes no higher. So no points there for either of you. Oh, you'll you never forget that number. You'll never forget. That's, all right. No point there. Let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. Whether making a cup of tea at a tea salon in Tokyo, enjoying a cuppa in London, or a gaiwan in Taiwan, a proper pot of tea is made by filling the teapot with just boiled water and then pouring it out, then adding the tea and a new batch of just boiled water. At first, this may seem unnecessary, but what is the purpose of this worldwide tea-making technique? Okay, I do know this answer. The reason is because if you don't warm up the vessel first when you pour the water in so much there's a, such a significant drop in temperature because the vessel absorbs the temperature of the water 
and it's significant enough to change the flavor of the tea. Is that correct? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered and honored that you bothered to study for this, for this dumb little show. Thank you so I much. I just wish I looked up, to, if I knew 212, man. Oh, oh so close. That's all right. You got a question five, though, which is, which is difficult. Um, that, that is correct. As you said, it helps the water temperature stay consistent and the pot staying warm during the steeping process. Uh, it also can be used in some cultures to demonstrate to your guests that the pots and the cups are clean and sanitized. This process assures that the tea is served hot and will remain warm as the drinker enjoys it. And this mm-hmm. is important for any tea steeped at any temperature. All right, very good, Alice. You did quite well in your quiz, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Alice, the making of tea originated in China, and one of the most traditional methods of preparing tea is called gongfu. If you've seen a traditional Chinese tea ceremony, there's a good chance it was an abbreviated gongfu ceremony. In the gongfu method, aside from the teapot and the cups, a set of six accessories are used, usually stored in a wooden holder and referred to as the six gentlemen of tea. For up to three points, name any three of these six gentlemen. One would be the little dish that holds the tea bag. Do okay. I need to know what that's called? I don't know. Not exactly. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, maybe one would be a little demitasse spoon. A spoon, or, okay. Uh, what else would there be? Uh, wow, this is gonna be so great to find out the answer. It is. Uh, there might be a brush, some kind of little brush in there to brush out the, the screen that's inside the pot. It's a tradition in Japan, I think, mm-hmm. that the teapot has a strainer in the bottom of the teapot. You just put the leaves in there and mm-hmm. the hot water, and when you pour it, it strains it as you pour it. But when you empty it out and you clean out the teapot, you can't put it in the dishwasher. And right. so you just maybe, maybe there's a kind of, some kind of brush some kind of a brush. Leaves away. Okay, so you're going with some sort of a little dish, uh, a spoon or something to, to stir, and then the, uh, something to brush out the, the loose tea that's in the yeah. pot. I okay. Guess. I can't even think of what the other three would be. Those. That's right. We're going to find out soon. They have so many little gadgets. They do. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a Chinese tea expert whose family has been growing tea in China for over three generations. The owner of Music City Tea in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It's Jinlung Zhang. Wow. Hello, Jinlung Zhang. Hi, yes. Hello. Um, I'm happy to be here to teach you everything about Chinese tea or tea ceremony. Oh, We're happy to learn. Okay, so uh, Jinlan, tell, tell us about your family history with tea and where in China you're from. Uh, I'm from Wuyi Mountain, China, Fujian province. So we have tea on the mountain for a thousand <gasps> years. And we wow. have a long history about tea. Uh, my favorite main tea production is Wulong tea and black tea. So my dad have big mountain of tea, and I helping harvest and processing. In my hometown, we're making tea with tiny little pot, like oh, yeah. tea mm-hmm. pot. But it's so small; it's like the size of your hand. Yes, that's a traditional Chinese way. We have tea wow. cost you thirty thousand dollar per pound. We are not using you using big amount, big mug mm-hmm. or big oh. pot because we want to sip it and like enjoying the very expensive wine. You don't want to use a beer gla- right. glass. 
And Jinlin, how did you end up in the United States and specifically in Murfreesboro, Tennessee? I have no idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> God, you God just dropped me here and said, hey, go stay there. I'm here forever. <laughs> I come from China straight to Nashville and Murfreesboro. Wow. I, I do want to go anywhere, but I never have a chance. Anyway, you guys take well, probably me. Probably most, I'm going to say probably a lot of people in Murfreesboro, Tennessee are like, I don't know how I got here. I have no idea. Yeah, I totally have no idea. But they're happy you're there. <laughs> so first, first, I want to find a little bit more about more about you. Uh, your your shop your shop is called Music City Tea because it's right near Nashville, where Alice uh, has has lived and worked before. Yes. Um, what what do you think about the tea that most Americans drink when you first got here? Oh my gosh, that's so disappointed. <laughs> sweet tea. Oh my gosh. We so I work at a restaurant at the beginning. Uh, be our server every day. We serve so many sweet tea. I said, this is trash. <laughs> How you guys can drink it? I try to throw up when I drink it. Oh, no way. I said, I got to open a tea shop. This is. And show them how to do it right. Yeah, this is poison yeah. to America people's life. Well, sweet tea, <laughs> like southern sweet tea is, I mean, I don't even know if there's actually tea in there. It's probably water and sugar are the two first ingredients, and then maybe a yes. hint of tea. So yeah. many sugar. Yes, that's yeah. horrible. <laughs> yes. And uh, you perform ceremonies for the public in your tea shop. Yes, I offer free tea tasting and teach tea ceremony class and teach Kung Fu style. I also yep. let people try 200 tea for wow. free. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a very good deal. We have tea for $100 per pound to $1,000 <gasps> per pound. Depends what they want to try. Wow. Alice was saying before that she poo-poos tea shops because she's concerned about the tea not being fresh. How do you keep your tea fresh? Oh, my tea very fresh. I have mm -hmm. to try it. If it tastes good, I sell it. If not taste good, I throw away. I have to mm -hmm. keep it very ah. fresh. And you go back home to China to select some of the teas yourself? Yes, every year. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, this year, not. Not this <laughs> not year. This year. <laughs> I didn't not go. this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no way. And uh, it's not just for people. I saw I saw a video where you were uh, feeding uh, tea to a pet animal of yours. Yeah, I feed my ducks. I have a bunch of ducks <laughs> right now. Ducks? And the ducks like tea. Oh, they love it. They can do all day long with me. <laughs> so the ducks, are they, do they get caffeinated and they act really hyper? Yeah, they grow faster. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want in the duck. You yes. want speed. Yes. All right, well, let's, let's talk about this gong fu ceremony that we okay. were asking Alice about. Tell us a, a little bit about the history of the gong fu and, and what's involved in that ceremony. Okay, gong fu tea is Chinese people use a tiny little teapot. Mm -hmm. Then require a tool set. This is called six, or you guys call six gentlemen. This is called cha dao. Cha means tea. Dao means a ceremony set. Mm. Then we are going to use um, the tea tool. Then come with this one. So go on top. And for our listeners who can't see that, it's a, it's a little wooden ring that Like fits. almost like a funnel. Yeah, like funnel. And then you you get the scoop tea put into the pot. So this is so that it, the tea doesn't touch the outside ring, uh, the outside of the teapot. So because outside teapot is wet. Ah. So if so you touch the touch the ring, you get water, and then you go get back go back to get more tea. Then it mold. Oh. You have to keep your tea dry, um, dry right. and fresh. And so that's okay. why we have this piece. Okay. So together. And so now, and and this piece looks like a little, like uh, tongs or tweezers, it looks like you're putting in there. And right? then right now, this one is, is used for serving people to pick mm -hmm. out all the 
cups. See, Ch Chinese people never using a mug to drinking tea. Right. We use right. tiny little cups. Oh. Right. This is about half ounce. So uh, you're showing us now a, a, a very small cup that it has no handle on it. So you use these, uh, these yeah. tongs almost to pick it up on the side. Yeah. To, uh, also, if you add water, you just wash like this. Mm. Yes. So who knows? Your hand may be dirty, yeah. you know. So this is how you yes. soap people. Okay. So those well, are the tongs. Well, I'm a, ger yes, yeah. I'm a germaphobe else? and we're living in, the, in a global <laughs> pandemic. So I appreciate that your hands will never touch the rim of this teacup. <laughs> you're, you're using these... Very sanitary yeah. tongs to, to transport yes. the cups. I love mm -hmm. it. And then also have this piece. Okay, so it's this another is piece, like... like a pin, like needle. So mm -hmm. one side is wider and the other side like Sharp. needle. So when you're using the teapot, this teapot, sometimes we're stuck. You try to pull out the tea. Oh. And I said, oh, how come the water not come out? So you just oh, poke I here see. and then we'll open the spot. Alice mentioned that you would want to use something to sort of brush the tea out, and that looks like that's what that pin does. Yes, this is for yes. take out the tea too. So you can take out the tea. Take out the tea. Also open the spot if stuck inside. Uh, yeah, like so that. that sounds like a point for yeah, Alice. Very yeah. good, Alice. Yes. All right. And, and then, then what else? One more piece is right here. Yes. This one is also using whatever if people like to make milk tea, they can stir it or oh. also can use for for take out like the tea. Like a spoon. Yes. Yes, and Alice Alice mentioned a stirrer, so that's another point for yes, Alice Ripley. Stirrer, Very right, good, yes. Alice. And uh, also, this is the holder. So the holder is the, the sixth of the six gentlemen. Yes. Yeah, you're holding all all the pieces together and put back. So Excellent. Well, that's adorable. And then, of course, that, that's an item that you sell in your shop. The yeah, Music I City sell tea. all this, everything about Gong Fu Tea Ceremony. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for showing us that. Before we let you go, Alice, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to our expert, Jin Lan? Yeah, Alice, please come to my shop. I teach you everything about tea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I know that area in Murfreesboro. Oh, um, please I'm come. I'm familiar with that. Some someday maybe I will come into your. Well, I mean, your shop is different than the other shops that I was referring to when I said I didn't like tea shops. I would love to go into your shop. Yeah. I thank you for showing us that. You're I, I didn't know. I, I had never seen that before, and yeah. you know, it makes me think it's practical, and that's what I love about about that tradition and and the the, yes. the Chinese tradition, the Japanese tradition. That practicality is yes. what drives every one of those pieces, right? Yes. So we're in downtown Murfreesboro. Very easy to find. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. And and Jinlan, if people want to go to your website and learn more, where can they go? MusicCityT.com. MusicCityT.com. It's so lovely that you joined us. Thank you so much for educating us about yes, tea. Yes, anytime. Uh, Jinlan Zhong, ladies and gentlemen. Jinlan Zhong. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much. You. For Thank you. you. Yes. All right. So it looks like Alice got two of those six gentlemen. Very well done. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Alice Ripley has five and a half points and Lee Wilkoff has three and a half points with a round of questions for Lee coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Lee about a topic he knows about. Plus later, Alice and Lee will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Listen, I'm a hotshot Hollywood movie producer. You have until I finish my glass of kombucha to pitch me your idea. Go. All right. It's called Who Shot Ya, a movie podcast that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. I'm Ify Wadiway, the new host of the show and a certified BBN. BBN? Buff black nerd. I'm Alonzo Duraldi, an elderly gay and legit film critic who wrote a book on Christmas movies. I'm Drea Clark, a loud white lady from Minnesota. Each week, we talk about a new movie in theaters and all the important issues going on in the film industry. 
industry. It's like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner meets Cruising. And if it helps seal the deal, I can flex my muscles while we record each episode. I'm sorry, this is a podcast? I'm a movie producer. How did you get in here? Iffy, quick, start flexing. Bicep, lats, chest. Who Shot You? Dropping every Friday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Lee Wilkoff with three and a half points and Alice Ripley with five and a half points. Once again, here is Jakey Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Lee Wilkoff, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the Battle of Gettysburg, the movie Barry Lyndon, and Jewish food. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you chose the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, my father was a, a war buff, and we went to Gettysburg all the time. It was our big vacation. We didn't take vacations anywhere else. We went to Gettysburg. And was that fun for a kid? It wasn't fun when I was a kid, but but I was there, and uh, (laughs) I kind of took it in. And then I read the book uh, The Killer Angels some years ago, which is uh, about the Battle of Gettysburg, and it was just a brilliant book, and I just, uh, I don't know, maybe an homage to my father. Oh, that's lovely. It's kind of fun as we grow up, the things that maybe were boring to us as a kid uh, end up being so interesting because it helps you to kind of get to know your parents a little bit about Mm -hmm. why they love what they love. And uh, I shot three movies in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Chambersburg is right down the road from Gettysburg. And while I was making the movie on a day off, I would always drive up to Gettysburg because it's it's just beautiful land. That's one of the reasons they fought there. All right, uh, Lee, you also said you know a lot about the movie Barry Lyndon. Uh, Barry Lyndon, I don't think I saw when it came out, but I started, I watched it some years ago on video and I just... I, I, I fell in love with it. it. It's just, I think it's a perfect movie. It's just so lush. And the performances uh, from, from the leads all the way down to the smallest uh, supporting role are all just perfect. I think it's just the perfect movie. Oh, how lovely. All right. And then finally, you said you know a lot about Jewish food. Well, I, I, I'm Jewish. And, uh, and you eat? And I and I I grew up every Friday night until I was eighteen when they passed away. My grandparents passed away within weeks of each other. Uh, I went to my grandmother's and grandfather's house every Friday night. I don't think we missed one, and we just had all sorts of different Jewish foods. And on the holidays, we had particular dishes. And what are uh, some of your favorite uh, Jewish foods? Uh, kreplach which mm-hmm. is the Jewish equivalent of ravioli. It's kind of a dumpling. Simis, uh, which is kind of a casserole with carrots and brisket. And uh, kishka, which is... Uh, no one no one really understands this if I say <laughs> what it is. And uh, good chicken soup. Oh, well, and... for my God's sake. All right, Lee, so to summarize, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the Battle of Gettysburg, the movie Barry Lyndon, and Jewish food. Today we're going to quiz you about... The movie Barry Lyndon. Oh, good. Good. Great. Uh, uh, and do you have a favorite scene from the movie? There, It's a very long movie. There are many scenes to choose from. Oh, do you have a favorite? so many scenes. There's a scene. Barry Lyndon is, 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 is stooping this guy's wife. And uh, uh, this, this old actor uh, just has a, a complete, literally a conniption fit. 
and uh, he dies because he gets so upset he has a stroke and he, he, he reaches for his pills. I, I didn't know they had pills back then. They look like little nitroglycerin pills and he just like, they explode all over the place and that's a great <laughs> scene and the, the, the duel that he has with his stepson. Oh, there's a great scene. There's just so many. Every scene is perfect. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, just, to, it's just brilliant. It's Stanley Kubrick to, here. No, he's dead. Well, well that would okay. be a get. That would be a get. Yeah. Uh, all right. Just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are your five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Alice, do listen closely because if Lee answers incorrectly, you can steal. Alice, by the way, how much do you know about the movie Barry Lyndon? I've, I'm ashamed to say I've never seen it. I mean, I'm, what do you think I'm going to watch when the podcast is over? <laughs> it's long, Alice. You, I it's think long. you'll love it. Well, it's if it's beautiful. any consolation, I had not seen it either until this week, even Did though you I'm like a it? fan. I, I, I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I really it's, enjoyed it a lot. Alice, you'll love it. You'll love it, Alice. And let's see if you can maybe by context, uh, if Lee lets you in, see if, you'll, uh, see if you'll have a chance to steal. All right, Lee, here you go, your first question. Barry Lyndon is a period piece, which you can tell not just from the pointy hats the men wear, but also from the fact that some of the story takes place during the Seven Years' War. That means that the period in question is in what century? I never get centuries right, but it's in this <laughs> uh, 1700s so the 1900s of the 20th century, the 18th century. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Excellent figuring of the uh, the whole century thing. Uh, the Seven Years' War took place from 1756 to 1763. All right, Lee, the film had a longer than usual shooting schedule, partly because instead of using studio lights, director Stanley Kubrick insisted that indoor night scenes were lit with what? Candles. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Nice and easy. You Two for two. Fun fact, Stanley Kubrick discovered a lens that had been developed for NASA satellites and could shoot in very low light, so he used it to shoot those candlelight scenes. Here's question number three. Barry Lyndon doesn't start out as Barry Lyndon. What is the character's actual name before he changes it? His last name is Barry. Hmm. We do need the full name for the, uh, yeah, for the point. I need a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? Barry is his last name. And his first name starts with a primary color. Are you familiar with the primary colors? I'm thinking of them. Okay. I, I'm just a, drawing a blank. Uh, I'm sorry then, uh, we can't give you the full point there. That means Alice Ripley with a chance to steal. Redmond. And the last name? Barry. Helen? That is correct. That is Come correct on. for a successful Alice. steal. Alice! Fantastic! Alice cannot believe it, but Fantastic. she uh, she used the context you've clue. Seen Very, it. you've seen it. My forehead vein is popping oh out. I'm so, I'm so impressed. So that's very, guys. very impressive. It really is. Redmond Berry. Oh, Redmond Berry. That's the best way to start this that's whole thing. Great. That's great. Alice. Although I think I think we would have accepted Yellowmond Berry as well, just for the novelty of it. <laughs> I said red to myself, but Redmond yeah. didn't pop Redmond is exactly head. right. Very, very yes, good. All right, is. Lee, let's see if you can. Redmond or Purple Smith. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alice with a successful steal. Lee, let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. The movie has a soundtrack filled with works from many classic composers of the era in which it it takes place. It's especially notable for its main title music by whom? I need another hint. Helen, how about that second hint? This composer is probably best known for his complex messiah, not his messiah complex. 
Debussy. Helen, is it Debussy? It is not Debussy. No, I'm terribly sorry. Alice with another chance to steal. Well, there are two messiahs, but Handel's messiah is probably the most famous. So is it, is it Handel? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Another <laughs> successful steal from Alice. Yeah, right. Wow, Alice. Alice killing it on those clues. Good Al- one, Alice. On the hints and the steal. Alice, you're the bandit of the night. You're the, you're the. I could just see Lee just like pulling his hat down on his head, shuffling away like Mister. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's fun. It's fun to know things, even if yeah. you didn't know them. Yeah, I'm just so impressed. All right, Lee. Here's question number five. You have no more hints available. Let's see if you can figure this one out on your own. The film was nominated for seven Oscars and won four. Name two of the Oscars it won. Cinematography. And? And uh, art direction. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Got them both. Best art decoration, set decoration was one. Best cinematography also, as you said. The others were best costume design and best musical score. Uh, Fun fact, the three nominations it got and didn't win are best director, best adapted screenplay, and best picture. It lost all three of those awards to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. All right, Lee, you ended up doing pretty well in that round, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Lee, three roles in the movie are listed in the end credits with the last name Linden. Lady Linden, Sir Charles Linden, and of course, Barry Linden. For up to three points, name the three actors who played these Lindens. Jesus, Marissa Berenson. Ryan O'Neill. Okay. Uh, uh, could you name them again? Again, it was Lady Linden, Sir Charles Linden, and Barry Linden. I believe you named... Uh, I, I named two of them. Were for, yes, your guesses were for Lady and Barry. Can you pull the name of the actor who played Sir Charles? Edward Stanton. Edward, Edward Stanton. No. Edward Stanton. He started as Stanton, and then, <laughs> and then, then they anglicized his name at Ellis Island into Stanton. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an Academy Award-nominated actor who has been in some of the most memorable movies in film history, including the title role in Barry Lyndon. It's Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. Oh my God, I was hoping maybe it would be Ryan O'Neill. I'm in, I'm in. Oh. Hi, Ryan. Hi. There he is. Hello, there Hello Ryan O'Neill. Oh, Ryan O'Neill. Nice to meet you. Very oh, nice to meet you, thank sir. You. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank what you. an wow. honor. That was Frank Middlemass. Frank Middlemass. Uh, the, the one that had the conniption fit, the one with the pills. Yes, Frank Middlemass. Who had the pills. Oh, man, yeah. that scene. Yeah. I love that scene. Lee, you mentioned that was your favorite scene. That was the scene that had Frank Middlemass. I couldn't remember his <laughs> yeah. name. That's all right. Brilliant. He was brilliant. You have something with my lady? You with my lady? Yes. You want to fit into my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ryan. And and Paper Moon. And oh, my God. And and, oh, oh my God, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Ryan, we're going to ask you some specific questions about Barry Lyndon in a little bit. But of course, people know you from your many films, including Love Story, What's Up, Doc, Paper Moon, Barry Lyndon, as we mentioned. Uh, I want to ask a little bit about Love Story because I don't know if younger people understand exactly how huge of a phenomenon that was, especially for what was a, a, a romantic drama at the time. How, how would you explain to younger people what a, what a cultural moment Love Story was in fi- 1970, 50 years ago? 
Well, that's a tough question. I have no idea what would move them today, but it sure moved a lot of people yeah. back in 1969. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's amazing. At the time, it was the sixth highest grossing movie of all time. Was it? Yeah. Monster hit well, over. So where is my car? <laughs> <laughs> Call your agent. Yeah. Who Who got it? Somebody I... owes you money. That's is show that... business right there, isn't yeah. it, everyone? Yeah. Um, I have to talk to you a little bit about What's Up, Doc. I saw this movie in a, in a full theater back when you were allowed to do such things a couple years ago. The reaction from the audience in you know 2012 or whatever it was, was it was like a riot had broken out. The, the laughter and the thrills of oh that movie and your performance in that, it, it was just electrifying. And it was such a departure coming uh, after Love Story uh, just a few Tell years. Tell me about it. Yeah, two years later. And you actually got to make fun of Love Story in the movie too. Yeah, I was very lucky because Barbara Streisand was a huge help for me to uh, get my comedy uh, bits down. Mm -hmm. The director would say after a scene, how long did it run? And the script girl would say a minute 20. He'd say, okay, do it in a minute. <laughs> wow. Those were our directions. That was the direction. Wow. And I had just done it as fast as I could, and now he wants 20 minutes or 20 seconds out of it. I think, was that Madeline Kahn's first movie? Yeah, I think no so. problem for those girls. Right. Yeah. Me, I uh, struggled. So Nobody had ever seen yeah. her before, and then who's this? No, ba ba uh, Peter Bogdanovich found her at the upstairs at the downstairs yeah. in, uh, in Manhattan. Wow. Uh, now, before you got into movies, you had done a lot of TV. Of course, you were a regular on Peyton Place, and then you showed up on... Only for 500 episodes. Yeah, oh, it was only for that? Okay. Yeah. I, thought you, I thought you were around for the long haul. I uh, thought I was, too. <laughs> but you also showed up on Dobie Gillis, Perry Mason, Leave oh, It to yeah, Beaver. Oh, yeah, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Well, I was, gonna, I was curious, uh, was it difficult to cross over to movies from TV at that time? It was a blessing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't want to get stuck and Leave It to Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, I, I want to know about Barry Lyndon. Was it was you just got a straight offer? They just called and said you want to do this movie. Uh, how did that all work? He sent me this script, Mr. Kubrick, which I read. It was all of the different titles and different characters. It was a, he had rewritten it so that no one would copy it or steal it or try to shoot it first. I then flew to London. And I met with him. I had already started sword fighting lessons on Paper Moon. I would go to the, the ballroom at the motel at night and work the sword because I imagine Stanley would want a pretty good swordsman, mm -hmm. you know. If you don't mind my saying, that's hot. Yeah, that's hot. <laughs> yeah. And you so met him? Tatum would be in there with a sword. I'd be in there with a sword. And, and we worked on Barry Lyndon long before I got, uh, got over there. Wow. And then I was over there for over a year. Yeah. Wow. Well, I wanted to ask Not about for that. A year. Not only did it take a long time to shoot, I guess primarily because of the of the the lighting that they had to deal with, but uh, the days were very long too. Uh, I, I I saw in an interview you said that you actually had to show up in full costume in the morning while Kubrick would brand plan new, his shots. ready to go, yeah. uh, no stands-ins. You just did it. But when you started to do it, you did it and you did it and you did it. Forty takes. <gasps> Forty takes. On every scene. Every what? time. That's why the picture took a year. Wow. He was never sure. Mr. Kubrick, who I adored, by the way, never was sure. He said, let's do it again. Let's just do it again. I say, do what again? I'll do anything. <laughs> he said, no, just do it like that. Wow. I say, Stanley, you do it, and I'll do it like you. Now you're lucky. <laughs> I can't do it. Now if you do a movie, if you get three takes, you're lucky. But I know. I know. I'm ready for that. 
Yeah. I understand that even though it took over a year to do, you kind of had an advantageous contract that was uh, set up for you, though. Financially? Yeah. Well, I understand that you were only contracted for 18 weeks. And so everything after that was an overage for you. Pro-rated. Pro-rated. Nice. (laughs) He said to me once, we're sitting in his dressing room and he's looking at me and he said, how much money are you getting for this? And I said, I really don't know. It's been prorated. I don't know. He said, don't you think you should be unloading the trucks? (laughs) I said, dress like this. (laughs) After 40 takes, you're not doing anything else. No way. Keep working. Keep working. Did you, when you were making it, did you realize how great it was? Uh, I mean, it's so great. It's perfect. I knew how great he was. Mm-hmm. And if it was going to be anything, he would turn it into it. Mm-hmm. That's what I knew. And I just hit my marks and, and did the best I could, you know. I'm from County Malibu, so I'm not really the, the Irishman that he uh, mm. had hoped. Uh, you mentioned the preparation that you had to do for the sword fight. There's, there's a lot of physicality in this movie. There's also the, the fist fights. There's duels with guns. Sure, uh, sure. W- uh, what, what right you, down my alley. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, yeah, did, did you relish the challenge of, of learning how to, how to do those things? I had to. Yeah. I had to. He demanded it. Mm. I had to be as close to an expert as I possibly could or we would be shooting until today. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, even for the fist fights? Like, did you get... Even for the fist fights. Oh, my God. Wow. I, can't, I can't imagine doing that fist fight 30 times, 40 times that, mm. with that. Yeah, oh, it's, it's brutal. Really the, the one out in the field. Yeah. yeah. There is a scene where you get shot in the leg and then uh, that leg gets amputated and um, I'm curious how they did that effect because it shows you walking around with a missing leg and that was pre-CGI. How did, how did they achieve that illusion? Very simply, they tied a rope behind my leg and pulled it up. <gasps> they really did. Yeah. And up and up and really up, up until you could see my foot coming <laughs> over my shoulder. <laughs> but, but I was missing the leg now. Oh, my knee has never been the same. <laughs> and so he, he angled his camera so I could limp my way to the, what? To the stagecoach. And still looked like only had the one leg. Then they cut and they put an actual uh, wounded man in position. You are very flexible. But he said to me, would you be willing to cut your leg off for this scene? (laughs) (laughs) Now, now we had all heard rumors about Stanley Kubrick, but but this was one that I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That is what you call a director. (laughs) I love after all of that with this huge budget that they had, they still went for the sketch comedy version where they just put, they just pull your leg up behind. Yeah, Yeah, start pulling. Two two prop guys. You could hear the knee, you could hear the knee squeaking Oh, Ryan, is yeah. your knee really still bothering you? Of course, I, I have. I have a new knee now. Nice. Yes. I have a metal knee. The wow. things that we do, I'm telling you, these injuries, they stay with you. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. We should, we should tattoo them. <laughs> uh, man, I could talk to you about this all night, but let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Lee. We wanted to know in the end credits, who were the three actors who played roles named Lyndon. Helen, what was the first answer that Lee gave? Lee said Marissa Berenson. And Mr. O'Neill? I agree. You agree. (laughs) (laughs) That is a point for Lee. Next, we had Sir Charles. What was the name that Lee came up with for Sir Charles, Helen? Lee said Edward Stanton. And Mr. O'Neill? He's wrong. I made that up. You did pick that up. Who, in fact, was that? 
Middlemass. That was Frank Middlemass. All yes. right. And then finally, we wanted to know who played the title character, Barry Lyndon. Helen, what did Lee say? Lee said Ryan O'Neill. And? Uh, close. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank God I got that one right. <laughs> who actually was it, sir? It was me. It was you. Right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's so wonderful. Uh, before we let you go, Lee, is there anything else that you'd like to ask or say to Mr. O'Neill while we have him here? I don't know. It, it, do you have a favorite film that you've made? Uh, uh, or probably you You have... know what it was? It was Love Story. Oh. It was Love Story. Mm. It was a real love story. I adored her. I just want to That's cry nice. just thinking about that movie. Yeah. I no, mean, no, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys are going to cry, I'm going to cry. Yeah. Helen, are you okay. going to cry? No, I'm not going to cry. No, Helen's a robot iceberg. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I still can't believe that I'm talking with Ryan O'Neill. Oh, if, you're very kind. Oh, no, you're very kind to join us. And if people want to find out more about you or your work, I know they can go to ryanoneal.com. You're fantastic. Sure and you're, you're such a delight. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Ryan sure. O'Neill, everybody. Bye, Ryan. Go Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Helen, what is our score as we go into the final round? Oh, it is a tight game, Jay Keith. Lee Wilkoff has eight and a half points and Alice Ripley has seven and a half points. All right, but wow. now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Lee and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Lee, giraffes are native to Antarctica. False. Correct. Alice, giraffes are native to Africa. True. Correct. Lee, giraffes <laughs> are also native to Asia. False. Correct. Alice, until recently, scientists used to believe there was only one species of giraffe. True. Correct. Lee, now it's believed there are 10 species of giraffe. True. Incorrect. No, just four. Alice, female giraffe give birth standing up. True. Correct. Lee, a newborn giraffe is already taller than most humans. True. Correct. That's right, about six feet. Alice, giraffes have the same amount of vertebrae in their necks as humans. False. Incorrect. No, they really do. They have seven. They're just much larger. Lee, a giraffe heart is the biggest of any land mammal. False. Incorrect. No, they have a lot of love to give. Wow. Alice, just like human fingerprints, no two giraffe have the same coat pattern. True. Correct. Lee, that's why crimes by giraffe are so easy to solve. <laughs> True. Correct. <laughs> Alice, and why my pitch for Law & Order Special Giraffe Unit never took off. I can't give you a straight answer because I'm the only actor in, in New York who never did that show. So I'm broken hearted, but I would say it's false. Correct. And finally, Lee, but if it had, Lee Wilkoff would have played multiple characters on it. Absolutely true. <laughs> All right, we're not gonna count those last few ones, but we are gonna thank Lee Wilkoff and Alice Ripley as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to pronounce a winner on tonight's episode? J. Keith, it is a tie. Oh, Lee that's fantastic. and Alice Ripley both have 11 and a half points. That's oh my goodness. Wow, what a topsy-turvy game. And it's 11-11, you guys. This is good. Look this at good that. All right, well, that means we are going to go to our tiebreaker. Oh. So here's how the tie-breaking round works. The answer is a number. Whoever gets closer to the correct number wins. We do not play prices Right style, so no guessing $1. Um, I'm going to ask the question, think about it for a second, and then I'll ask you to blurt out your answers at the same time on the count of three. So don't answer right away. Here is your question. According to the Social Security Administration, in 2018, the 413th most popular name for newborn girls in the United States was Helen. 
What was the most recent year when Helen was the second most popular name? Again, the most recent year where Helen was the second most popular name for newborn girls in the United States. Give it a second to think about it. So on the count of three, I will ask you to blurt out your answers. One, two, three. 1942. 1972. Okay, Alice said 1972. Lee said 1942. The correct answer, the last time that Helen was the second most popular name, 1919. That means, Lee, you are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Congratulations, <laughs> Lee. What will you do with your championship? I will send it to Ryan O'Neill. <laughs> wow, that's very gracious of you. All right, we're going to wrap things up by giving our guest a chance to promote anything that they would like. Lee Wilkoff, where can people see you and where can they find your work? Um, you can find me uh, a film, a short little film I did called Any Song, and you can find it on anysongproductions.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations. Thank you again, Lee Wilkoff. Alice Ripley, what an honor and a treat. Where can people find you and your work? Um, let's see. I just finished shooting a, a guest spot on the new Chandra Rhymes Untitled Artist Project. Ooh. It's going to be on Netflix. So good luck finding out what that is. <laughs> Don't blink. Because you might miss me. Excellent. Well, I'm glad we didn't miss you on this show. What a treat, Alice Ripley. Thank you for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Ms. Helen Hong. Hello. Uh, you can follow me on the socials at Funny Helen Hong. You can see me on Netflix on The Babysitter 2, Killer Queen, and The Unicorn, which is on CBS All Access, as well as on Netflix currently. Excellent. She is funny. She is Helen. She is Hong. She is Helen Hong. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith or on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leads me to thank Lee Wilkoff, Alice Ripley, Jin Lam Zhang, Ryan O'Neill. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at gofactorwiki.fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at maxfunstore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live someday. It's free. Go to gofactorpod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like C underscore Gulander did. He, she, or they said, a funny, fast-paced trivia podcast hosted by two great comedians. Thanks, C underscore Gulander. Over to you, other great comedian, Helen. Oh, thank you, great comedian. Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and Jakey Ben Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Sonia Weiser, Maji Peason of Peason.net, Scott Zimmerman, Andrew Bender of Where'sAndyNow.com, Mark Norberg, Alexandra Ferrick, Peter Krajewski, Dr. Dolores Chambers, and Dr. Edgar Chambers IV, Patty Viegas, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Nedif, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go appear on Law & Order! I want to be a dead body! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.